When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, Shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Ah! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. Welcome this week's play-by-play of the Hang Time Podcast. Backing down a lefty hook, breaks it in! With your host, Gallius Anderson, stuffed it down behind his head. Sekou Smith, the tipping is good at the buzzer. Now it's time for the tip. Welcome in, welcome in. Wrap up, stay warm, the Hang Time Podcast. The snowy edition, uh, Micah. Hart, my super producer, made it into the studio here. So did Lane Krause, our engineer. Lane Whitaker, I know you're under a foot or two of snow up there in New York City. Glad you yeah, could we, make it. Yeah, we got hit last night. Yeah. But uh, I think it's it's not that. I mean, I'm still at work today. <laughs> I know you guys got like, what, how much did you get? Oh, gosh. I, I mean, it was flurrying when I came in to the studio today still. I mean, we. I don't know. It depends on where you live in Metro Atlanta. Um, right. You know, I think we got. Anywhere from, you know, four to six inches, I guess, uh, in my neck of the woods out on the west side in Smyrna. Um, Micah, what would y'all get in the perimeter here? How bad was it? We probably had about four to six inches, I guess, on Sunday. And all my friends from the northeast are just making fun of us for being such wusses <laughs> about it. But I'm like, look, this never happens. Like, what do you expect from us? Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I've talked to a lot of people who are upset. Um, I've been able to drive around this stuff pretty easy. And one of the perks of growing up. Uh, with Lake Effect Snow in Grand Rapids, Michigan, you you get used to inclement weather. Um, right. I'm sure my mother's glad that I'm driving my own car now, not hers, because I think I, <laughs> I smashed hers into a rock one time when I was 16 at home trying to get out of get out of a parking lot with some fresh snow on the ground. Did you guys see the video of the guy ice skating down Peachtree? I saw my somebody. Oh, my dad called me and told me about that. He's like, man, he's like, you seeing this dude on Peachtree? And I was like, I'm I'm almost on Peachtree and I don't see him. <laughs> <laughs> I thought um, it might have been you. No, nah, man. No, nah, I'm. I uh, I learned how to. I, I had driver's ed during the winter, like during the winter semester, my eleventh grade year of high school. Right. Um, and I'm not even going to mention the fact that uh, one of my one of my homeboys from high school, Ulysses Arizola, don't want to get him in trouble, but he used to drive us to drivers training. Um, so we'd get to the driver's ed spot and get out of his car, and then go take driver's ed for an hour. <laughs> He was driving us two drivers training, just just so you know exactly how we did it. But uh, I learned how to drive in crappy weather. Um, you know, it was bad weather when I was learning how to do it. So I I haven't been as big a big a worrywart on the road, but I, it is some of the worst driving conditions I can remember seeing for a place that does. It's just not equipped. I mean, right. New York, what do y'all got? Five hundred 
snow plows in, in New York City? Yeah, like it started snowing last night about 8.30. And mm-hmm. between like 8.30 and midnight, I mean, I must have seen 12 snow plows go by my window. Right. I mean, you saw more snow plows go by your window than we have in the state of Georgia. Come <laughs> you know, uh, there's no way you could dig out this. You got to lace. You got to throw stuff down before the snow hits. And, right. And that, you know. I feel bad for a lot of people. I was in the public yesterday. It looked like I am legend up in there. I was waiting for a tiger to come running down one of the aisles. You know, like, it was it was a ghost town, man. It was terrible. Did you sleep in the bathtub last night? Basically, there was no food anywhere. You know, like, I was waiting for somebody to break out. You know, like the end of the world deal where people start fighting over the last box of Cheerios. Right, and right. It was not. I mean, it's it's, Wife it's nuts. Got four cartons of eggs, and I was like, really, you two. <laughs> <laughs> like what are we gonna do? Eat omelets nonstop for the next twenty four hours? <laughs> Open a Waffle House? Yeah, oh, man, it's you know they got we got cabin fever. You know, wifey's at the house ready to go berserk. I mean, I I had to call her with the bad news of little while. I'm gonna let her know, hey, school's out again tomorrow. You don't have to go to work. Blah. She's just like, what? Is it yeah. really out tomorrow too? School's out in Cobb County, baby, again tomorrow. Listen, Lang, you're from here. You know as well as I do. If you get a dusting in Atlanta, it basically shuts the city down. Dude, we yeah. got we got a full blown snowstorm. I mean, we got like we might we basically got a blizzard down here right, right. for what you know for what it's worth. So, the the beautiful thing though about uh, technology is we are still here. The Hang Time Podcast, you know, weather delayed by a couple of days, but we are here, um, and we got a great show lined up. Tons of stuff to talk about, of course. Um, you know, tons of news all around the league. Carmelo Anthony, huge news. A trade that a lot of people thought would get done over the weekend, Lang. Uh, still, the situation still isn't resolved. Uh, the rumor is you are texting Carmelo now and trying to entice him to come to New York. What's what's what are you hearing? What's the latest you're hearing up there? Well, I mean, I've been hearing the same thing you guys have heard that it's you know it looks like New Jersey, but now this is rumor going around today that Amari is, is supposedly reached out to him and told him to hang on, try to get him in uh, in New York. Yeah. So I don't. I, I think maybe we'll have someone on later who knows a little bit more than us. About this, yeah. Is it? Uh, somebody sent me a text earlier, guys, and this. And tell me if you agree with this. They said, "Isn't it tampering for Amari to be texting Carmelo right now? <laughs> like to be texting a dude on another team, say, hey, man, hold on to free agency.' Blah blah. I don't. I don't even know if there's a, a rule against it. I mean, I'm pretty well, sure players can say whatever they want to each other. Yeah, um, I don't know. I know. I mean, I, let's say here we don't know if Amari actually did. Right, text. and we don't know if it's a if he legitimately did that. Sources say. According right. to Yahoo Sports, is Adrian Wojnarowski, a good good friend of the program, that uh, that that's what happened. But I don't, who cares? I mean, they, these players talk to each other after every game. They talk to each other before games, during games. He, who cares if he's if he's telling them that? It doesn't mean he has to do what he says either. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's not like what Amari says it, you know, and Carmelo does it. I mean, it's All right. I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, it's funny though that we were talking about this like in November, I know October, and I it's know. still going on. And I, you know, I, I think a lot of fans are just ready for it to go one way or the other. And just be over. I don't know. You know, I figure if if we get a new collective bargaining agreement in the NBA and Carmelo yeah. still hasn't been traded, I, I think that I would take that trade off. Um, <laughs> I put up with I put up with a few more months of this if we get a new CBA. Yeah. All right. Just you know, just throwing just that so, out there. So we, so we, you, you're just more concerned with us having jobs this summer. Well, I'm just concerned with us. You know, like think about it. And some uh, somebody mentioned this to me earlier. How do you how do you bounce back after the high of the free agent summer of two thousand and ten? Like, 
you're going to go from the mountaintop in terms of having something to yap about every second of every single day to the summer of 2011. And not only will the free agent class not be as crazy, but, I mean, to nothing. You know, we could be talking WNBA or, you know. And the NFL might be. Yeah, yeah I mean, it would be. Troubles the, too. the landscape would be bare. I mean, now, granted, all these vacations and all this other stuff people have had, you know, wanted to get done this past summer. They got nixed because, you know, we were on LeBron watch and all that good stuff would be over. But, uh, you know, you never know. Speaking of LeBron Lang, and uh, God bless him for always, you know, providing us with fresh <laughs> fresh stuff to, you know, talk about. Did, I'm su- I'm sure you saw yeah. the tweet that uh, has has gone around the world where he – I don't know that he was taking a dig at the Cavaliers players or if it was somebody else, the organization. Could have been Dan Gilbert. Who knows? I'm sure he'll be asked about it tonight before the uh, – the Clippers and the Heat hook up at Staples Center, but uh, had had an interesting comment about karma, uh, where where it the the Cleveland Cavaliers are concerned. They were getting their brains pounded in by the Lakers last night, and uh, and LeBron just happened to mention that uh, karma is. I don't even want to say the word, Micah. Can we say that word here, Micah? Just say it. Sounds like witch. Yeah. Well, that what he said, and uh, <laughs> um. You 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 think that was tasteless at all, or do you think it was just you know guy talking, no big deal? I mean, where do you stand on Carmelo? Uh, I mean, on uh, LeBron's uh, tweet last night during the Lakers. Hey, hey, he didn't he he didn't say. I mean, everyone's assuming this was to the Cavs, right? But he didn't say it was, right? He, he just kind of floated it out there. So I don't know. Maybe he'll Maybe say he was watching the, the Love Guru, like <laughs> <or> the Bachelor. <laughs> He's watching the Bachelor, but. You know, I, I thought it was interesting that it came a couple of days after he said that he's accepted the villain role. Yeah. You know, he said, I asked him about being the villain this summer, and I was mm-hmm. asking him if they were going to accept that public enemies thing, and he was like, no, that's kind of what people are putting on us. But, right. you know, that's not what we are, and we're just trying to win games. And But then a, a couple of days ago, he said, uh, I've grown accustomed to the villain role. I enjoy it. I'm okay with it. And, uh you know, what are they, 21 and 1? <laughs> last 22 games? Yeah. I, it's I mean, working, whatever it is. Listen, I, I'm going on record right now. For as much mess as I gave the Heat earlier, I absolutely love the villainous LeBron. Like, I love his Dark Knight turn. This this is fabulous stuff. I like, I don't think we've seen him play like this. I mean, we've seen him play fantastic, and we've seen him play otherworldly and all that. I've never seen him play with a chip on his shoulder, like. Right? And and I like I mean to me it brings out the the real LeBron that I was always hoping we'd see in Cleveland. It brings out the nastiness, you know, like the dude who doesn't mind getting an extra dunk or an extra you know bucket when you know when you go, man, does he really have to score another one or like you know how bad is this going to get? Make it worse, you know what I mean? Like max out, max it out, ride this thing. They figured out a way. The Heat have figured out a way to to sort of take this the hate from everyone mm-hmm. and feed on it. And it's like, uh, wasn't there some movie where like all the negative energy fed and it just made everything, it made it bigger and worse, you know? <laughs> yeah. The day, what, I think it was at the day the earth stood still. <laughs> that's that's kind of what it's like. And as the more people hate them, the more they keep winning and, and you know, they're rolling right now. I love it. I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a big Le, LeBron. I'm a big fan of LeBron's game. I always have been, no matter what he did. Uh, with the decision or any of that stuff. But I, I always felt like there was a little edge missing. 
you know, when he's in Cleveland, the dancing, the the, the snapshots, I, that stuff to me always like, okay, I mean, it's cool, but I would rather see LeBron be a dude that plays with a chip on the show. You know what he, who he reminds me of right now, Lang? And I don't know if, if, if you even thought about this, but he reminds me of Charles Barkley back when Charles was – played with that nasty streak like when Charles was vicious all the time and just trying to right. dominate people that's the kind of you know and that Charles played with that reckless abandon early in his career where you thought man he's gonna try and yank the rim you know he's gonna try yeah. and yank this thing down every time he goes up that's a LeBron I see now and I, and I like it I think that's a good comparison yeah I mean it's probably he not good for his image but I like well it. he doesn't have the like the you know Charles always had that even when he was Mr. Nasty. He he still had that likability. You know, he would crack a joke at the end of it, and right. and people still kind of get a laugh out of him, and and they felt like they were enjoying it with him. And I think LeBron kind of feels. I don't I don't want to say how he feels, but I think <laughs> LeBron. You know, I don't know how he feels, but I I do think that the way the Heater approaches is more like it's us against the world kind of thing, right? And you know, we don't. If you're either with us or you're against us, there's, we don't enjoy you being against us, so we're going to take it out on you. Yeah, and you know, twenty-one of the last twenty-two. Yeah, you can't argue with that. Um, well, Lang, we we've been quoting this guy for uh, quite a while here on the podcast. He he gave us some great insight about the season and what to expect, and specifically about the Los Angeles Lakers and and how you chase a championship into that third or fourth year of trying to do it. He's back on the hang time podcast with us uh tnt steve kerr steve thanks for joining us again man and uh we appreciate all the insights you dropped on us when, last time you were here well thanks for having me on and i my only question is <laughs> was was any of that stuff right <laughs> you know, the one thing we keep talking about steve is how you you said <laughs> when you guys were going for your third championship in a row that was the toughest year for you you know mentally and, and physically and for everyone involved and it the way the Lakers have gone this season, everyone that keeps coming up to, to say yeah. it's going, okay. it's going to script. All right, good. So I, I was accurate with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now you didn't, you didn't. Now there's some other things you didn't get right. You didn't predict the uh, BCS championship right and all that other stuff. <laughs> I had, I had uh, Auburn winning over Oregon by two, not three. So exactly. I, I just barely missed that one. <laughs> exactly. But Steve, you've you've obviously paid attention to all of this stuff that's going on. Um, we talked about Carmelo Anthony to open the show. I mean, we went through the decision and, and these these big names moving teams this past summer. Are you surprised at all that we're still talking about Carmelo Anthony in into January here? Not really, because you know, to me, the the fact that he that he won't sign the extension with Denver means that he's he has to he has to go right. I mean, the Nuggets just can't afford to to do what Cleveland did and let him walk and get nothing. So I think we're going to be talking about this all the way up until the deadline or or until he gets dealt and I I, I can't imagine any scenario in which he isn't traded um yeah. by the deadline. But in the meantime if you're if you're Denver, you've got to use every bit of leverage you can and and try to squeeze the very best deal you can uh, out of this whole situation. So yeah, this story will be on the front page until it actually happens. Steve, if if you are Denver, I mean, what do you think you try to do? do, you, do you go go for picks, go for uh, long term solutions. I mean, what what's your thought process? Well, you know, future picks aren't what they used to be. Um, I think <laughs> I, I think the the valuable ones are if you can somehow get a future pick from a team that is perennially bad. Right. Then you know maybe it turns into a top five pick during a year where you 
you know, you end up with a, a superstar player. But generally speaking, you know, you give up a superstar and get a future first back, well, that superstar is going to make that team pretty good. You end up with the 25th pick in the draft in 2015. Right. Who cares, you know? <laughs> right. So I, I think they have to – I think Denver's doing the right thing. I mean, it, you know, they're, they're trying to get – uh, some good players, uh, a combination of picks, good players, and maybe an established guy. You know, you hear Devin Harris's name mentioned. Um, you know, he's a very good player. Favors has a chance to be uh, a very good player. So, you know, they're they're doing what they should be doing, which is trying to squeeze as much as they can out of the deal. TNT Steve Kerr is joining us here on the Hangtime Podcast, and you got a great game. Uh, that you're going to see, obviously, Thursday night on TNT, Steve, uh, the, the Heat and the Nuggets. What are, what are your feelings about this Heat team uh, now that we're on the flip side? You know, the first month they struggled 9-8. and eight. Um, They basically refused to lose these days. I mean, yeah. what, what's your thought about them now? Well, it's, it is amazing. You know, I mean, the, two months ago we, everybody was talking about, you know, what's wrong with the Heat, and now we're asking, you know, can they be beaten? I mean, it's, <laughs> the turnaround has been uh, pretty remarkable, and and I, I think the big thing is is Dwayne Wade is is healthy. You know that first month he really wasn't himself, and he didn't look good. Once he got healthy, uh, they really took off, and their their defense is what is most impressive. Um, you know, just being on the road and talking to guys like Stan Van Gundy and Doc Rivers, you know, doing games. Everybody says the same thing, which is that that the Miami defense is so fast mm-hmm. that. It's really hard to adjust to, and all all the sets that you run, you know, they disrupt, and you get out of flow, and you end up in late shot clock situations. You take a bad shot, and next thing you know, LeBron or Wade's dunking the ball at the other end. So, right. their their speed and athleticism is just off the charts, and and they they've obviously put it together, and they're they're believing what they're doing, and and um, and they look they look really really good. Do you think they're a, a title contender team? Oh, for sure. Um, no question they're a contender. Um, you know, I, I think there's only a handful of teams that can beat them. Um, to me, Boston, if healthy, is still the favorite in the East um, based on the, just their, their, their balance. You know, they have a great defensive team uh, themselves. And then on offense, they've got closers. That, that's the thing. When you play Miami, you have to have guys who can close games. Right. You know they were they played in Portland the other night and Portland had them by seven with two minutes left, and if Brandon Roy is healthy and he's there, Portland wins that game. You know mm-hmm. he gets to the line, yeah. or he gets an easy hoop, whatever. They didn't have a closer out there. Miami makes like four straight stops. They send it to overtime and they win. You know you look at Boston, they've got closers: Paul Pierce, you know Ray Allen, you know Rondo. They got guys who know how to finish games, and and if they're healthy. Uh, I, I think Boston would still be the favorite, but but Miami is looking better and better every day. Yeah, Steve, Monday, January seventeenth. I know you're going to be doing the Martin Luther King Day game, um, Oklahoma City at the Lakers. Those two teams specifically. Are you are you at all curious at how they've come to this point in the season? I think a lot of people expected more from the Thunder maybe, and they're, and they're playing well, but maybe not playing as well as people expected. And then the Lakers and kind of their curious path to where they are now. Yeah, I'm excited about that game. It's going to be a really fun matchup. I, I think part of the problem with Oklahoma City is what Sam Presti talked about in the off season and, and what he knew was coming, which was the high expectations. Mm-hmm. And with those expectations come kind of a, a view that – 
from from us, from people like us who follow this game, that, hey, they should be great now. But the reality is they're really, really young, and they've got a lot of growth ahead of them. So, you know, they, they've done a nice job of trying to temper expectations. But in the meantime, you know, their team is very good. They're They're improved over last year, but they're not ready to take that you know, that big-time step and get to the finals. I don't see it anyway. Right. Um, but that's okay. I mean, it, it, they're young and they're going through the process, and, and as long as they're learning from their failures and their deficiencies uh, and they're still winning games like they are, then, then they should be making improvement. And, and uh, I think we have to keep the, the big picture in mind with that team and not, not be, you know, too hopeful with, with our expectations about what they're ready to do. Steve, the, the Lakers beat the Cavs last night by 50, 55 points. What was the worst loss you were ever involved in as a player? <laughs> uh, that's a great question. Uh, I'm sure there were some you know, 30 or 40 point losses in there, but the one game that, that came to mind for me uh, when I saw that Lakers score last night, I was on the other end of when I was playing in Cleveland. I want to say it was about 91 or 90. We we actually set the all-time record. We beat Miami 148 to 80. And it was the it was the biggest blowout in NBA history. And wow. I'll never forget that game. It was like an avalanche and and I the, the looks on the faces of the Miami guys. I mean, it was it was a painful painful deal for those guys. And I and I think that's what Cleveland was going through last night. I read all the col- the comments from their guys this morning and that's Nobody wants to to go through that, and they're 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 suffering right now for sure. Well, Steve, wrap this thing up here. I, I kind of want to take a step back and and ask you. We talked. We started out talking a little bit about Carmelo, and take us through the the mindset of a general manager when you have to think about trading a, a franchise player of that caliber. I know there was a lot of discussion last year about you guys moving Amari in Phoenix, and it never yeah. happened. Why? Why did you not do it? And and what were the things or the you know the signs that made you think we shouldn't do this? Because it worked out. You guys made the Western Conference Finals, had yeah. a chance to play for a championship almost. Yeah, it's it's a horrible situation for for a GM to be in. And Amari's situation was a little bit different just because of the the injury history that he had. Mm-hmm. Uh, that really scared off uh, potential suitors. I mean, we 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 didn't really get great offers. Uh, for Amari, and and so, you know, in my mind, as we were going through all that stuff, knowing that we could lose him as a free agent, um, you know, knowing that long term we had to do the right thing for the franchise. Wh- what I kept thinking of was, hey, we're pretty good right now. Do we really want to give up a chance to make a big playoff run, maybe get to the finals, and maybe win it, right. um, just to just to make a trade that's kind of speculative and hopeful and. In the end, you know, nothing really uh, was that close, but we talked to a lot of teams about a lot of different things, and I just had a sick feeling in my stomach the whole time, like, why am I even having this conversation, <laughs> you know? But, but you have to do what you've got to do, and with Denver, you know, if they just let Comrello walk, they're going to suffer. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Denver has any hope of, of winning a title this year. Um, they've got the talent, but they don't have the chemistry and the mentality because of everything that's going on. So I think they have to trade him, and I don't envy uh, Masai and, and Josh and those guys. I mean, it's a tough situation to be in, but those are the those are the tough decisions that you're paid to to, to make, and and they've got to do what's what's best long term. No doubt. Well, listen, Steve Kerr, TNT's finest. Listen, thank you so much for joining us, and again, 
we're going to keep referencing uh, what you say on the show. So be be prepared now. If somebody comes walking up to you the game and says, hey, I heard you on the podcast. What do you think? You got it. Just don't call me out when I get one of these things way wrong, all right? All right, all right Steve. Thanks, man. All Thanks. right, we'll see Take you Take care. You know, he. I wanted to ask him that question, guys, about the, the mindset that you have when you're dealing with a franchise player because Carmelo's – He's like Amari. He's not just an all-star or a great player. Like, he's the kind of dude that you put on your team and he changes your franchise. Yeah. Now, you know, every, I, I wrote about this earlier this year, Lang, and, it, you know, you can kind of – you can go overboard with this stuff sometimes. But think about the, the Suns with Amari and without him. Like, now, early in his career when he's a rookie, they were a struggling team. But when they got rolling, it wasn't just Nash. It wasn't just – you know, D'Antoni's offense or whatever, it was – Amari was one of the anchors. Like, he was an anchor. He goes to New York, instantly becomes their anchor and their star player, their franchise guy, changes the franchise completely. Now, it's not just him, but, you know, the common denominator here in all – you know, in both situations has been Amari. I think Carmelo is different. It's not just trading away a franchise guy. It's trading away a guy who changed your franchise. And to me, that's a totally different – animal than it than just you know some some star player a guy who's been an all-star i think it has a lot to do with chemistry too and how a guy gets along you know on that team what he means to that team um and with denver you know carmelo is is their their rock their main guy but you know we we don't talk really about like kenya martin's been injured and and what he means to that team and right. you know uh, i think with denver it's it's really dependent on all those different guys. And with Phoenix, um, Amari really carried the, the the center of that team for them in, in the paint. And uh, I think that with Denver, you know, maybe when Kenny gets back, or maybe they can find someone else. That that's really their, you know, it's not just Carmelo. It's kind of the guys around him. I mean, they had to, they brought in Billups. They got a lot better. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, there's a lot of pieces there, and it's not so it's not so cut and dried as it was in Phoenix. Yeah, and I think, you know, I have a hard time with the Nuggets parting with, with Carmelo this way. And I and I know they're hamstrung. They have to do something. They can't just lose him, you yeah. know, for, for nothing. But I, I, I mean, I've been around championship, you know, championship caliber teams, uh, you know, covered a team that won 61 games once in Indiana that was one of the best teams in the league. I've been around teams that are at the bottom of the barrel. You know, the Hawks won 13 games my first year covering them. It is unbelievably, you know, hard to deal with a team that you know has no chance. And Denver, to me, by trading away Carmelo for picks and, you know, Derek Favors and whatever other young assets and potential assets they might get, I, I know how draining it is to, to deal and to, to live through awful basketball seasons. And the Nuggets have been there before, Lang. Yeah. They were there before they got Carmelo, you know. So I, I'd hate to see them take that step back and go back into that abyss that is lottery basketball. Um, to some, but to some extent, I mean, they're in the Western Conference. <laughs> You're behind the Lakers anyway. Yeah. You know, no matter what, you got to go through L.A. and, and – you know, I, I think that kind of colors your expectations. No matter what team you are, no matter who's on your team or whatever, you know, um, even if you're a 50 win team in the West, you might not even make the playoffs. So, yeah, you know, there's a lot there to to figure out. Yeah, it's just a, it's a lot to chew on. And I'm we I don't think we can dissect this Carmelo 
um, story enough. And and right now we got a good friend of the program and one of the guys who's in the middle of the mix up there in Denver right now, all over the stories that are coming out of there. Uh, Mark J. Spears of Yahoo Sports, uh, our main man, Lang, is, is on with us now. And, Mark, you have some great stuff uh, about Carmelo and his and his wife not calling the shots in this thing, Chauncey and Rip be, potentially being reunited. You, you were in the midst of all of the things that were wrong with the Denver Nuggets franchise before Carmelo. Seeing it now, how different – is the mood up there now from where it was maybe a couple of years ago when they were in the Western Conference Finals? Well, um, it's frustration. I think the guys are quietly ready for some kind of, you know, conclusion. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, you know the term, uh, do it or get off. You right. know, <laughs> and, and, uh, we're on radio here, right, Lang? We're on radio. <laughs> and, but I, I think they're a little weathered. You know, yeah. and so when these things come, you know how it is. I mean, it was funny when I got here, you know, I know everybody well because I worked here. The trainer yeah. was like, uh-oh, oh, if you're, <laughs> <laughs> if you're here, uh, something ain't right, man. Something ain't right. So, you know, um, I think they, they're they tired. They're, yeah. they, they either, you know, they would like to move on. I think they expect it to happen. And it, it, it's hard for them. I think it's really hard for them. I think people don't realize not only do you have to deal with us media guys every day, and uh, but but you know you got to deal with your family's questions, your friends' questions. Mm-hmm. You know, for Chauncey, his his daughters are like horrified that their wow. dad's about to leave. Yeah, right. But then they realize that their dad is about to get fourteen million dollars guaranteed, <laughs> and there might be more Barbies in, involved in the near future. So, but I, I just think it's just kind of um, one of those hurry up and wait situations that they wish to get done now. Yeah. When do you think we're gonna see some kind of resolution, Mark? I think next week. Okay. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if something happened next week, but. It's just these situations are always fluid, man. I mean, say cool. You've been covering the league a long time too. You know how these trades are. Everything oh, yeah. could be online, and then one person doesn't like something, and you know, and then the party that seems to be the most vulnerable party always feels like they got to get something extra. Sure, you know what right. I mean? Yeah. And so it it truly is like like somebody recently wrote about. Well, you know, there's all this confusion whether Carmelo would want to go there or not. But I kind of see this like a guy getting married. You know, Carmelo could want to go there right now, <laughs> but when he walks down that aisle, what is he going to say? Yeah. Yeah. You know, he could say now, yeah, I want to go there. Or he could say now, you know what, I don't know. But when it's sitting there in front of you, what is your answer? Yeah. Do you think you that's. Know, so, so I don't know, even if he committed either way, I don't know if he truly knows the answer until it's sitting in front of him. That's what I was going to ask you. Do you. I mean, do you think that's part of it is like, or how much of a part of it is that, that we're all kind of waiting on Carmelo to, to figure out? No, I don't, I don't think it's him. Really? Okay. I, I don't think it's him. I, I'm pretty confident if they could push the button that he'll go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, let me, know, let me ask you this. I mean, let me, let me put it like this. If New Jersey wasn't confident that he was coming, why would they be doing all this? Why would right. they be putting their players through all this? Why right. Why would they, like, deal with all this media stuff? If they weren't confident, trust me, I mean, all these guys got egos. They they wouldn't 
they wouldn't want to embarrass themselves and get egged on in their face for the second time this season. Right. If if they didn't really feel confident that that he could come. Let me let me ask you this, Mark, and 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 I don't want to put you on the spot necessarily, but but how, you're going to. But I'm going to. <laughs> how much of this is Masai and Josh Kroenke trying to make sure they cover that themselves and the franchise with those fans in Denver and knowing that. You can't let Carmelo walk. I mean, this guy changed the franchise. We we hung out many a night in Denver when yeah. before Carmelo, and it was like, ugh. you know, you watch a horrible game, you go out and enjoy, you know, some time, and it's like, man, bad basketball. Then you get Carmelo, and the entire mm-hmm. atmosphere changes. How much of this is Denver's front office and brain trust not wanting to look like rubes in this thing? Mm-hmm. Well, we'll go back to that one before. I remember this. Old joke I heard at a comedy club in Denver where a comedian, this was pre-Carmelo, uh-huh. uh, and, and we were debating, it was the 2001 Two Nuggets worse than today's Cavs today. Oh. Uh, the Vincent Yarbrough, Junior Harrington, Ryan Bowen Whew. Nuggets, who when the Denver Post had a, a vote of who was the most popular Nugget, Rocky the mascot, <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> and that's a true story. Wow. But I was I was at a comedy show, and the comedian said that he was driving down, uh, driving in Denver, and the cop pulled him over for speeding, and he gave him Nuggets tickets. And the guy said, no, no, I'd rather pay a fine. I don't want to go to the Nuggets game. <laughs> I mean, but anyways, I, uh, to answer your question, yeah. uh, kind of what I alluded to before, when, when you're the most vulnerable yeah. In the situation, you got to come out with the most you can. And one thing I'll say about Josh and I'll say about Masai that the fans have to know or should know, it's not their fault that they're in this situation. Right. They inherited this situation, and it's their job to, you know, get the most out of uh, out of him. I mean, you, you can only make this deal one time. You don't want to make a mistake. And what it seems clear to me is that they want youth, they want to save salary, and they want draft picks. So that means, uh, you know, you try to figure out a way to slide it. Uh, Harrington in the deal, you're going to try. Yeah. you, you got to try. You know, it's the thing. Uh, until they say no, you continue to try to see what more you could get. Yeah. Right. Our people, our other teams probably getting irritated by that. Yeah, but they have to do – it ain't about friendship and caring what the other team thinks. It's about you feeling at the end of the day – that if you push the button on this trade, that you truly got the most out of this trade. Yeah. This is a franchise. That's what people got to realize. This is a franchise-altering trade with a lot of pieces. I don't expect it to happen overnight. It does take time to get on the same page with something like that. Yeah. This is this has been like the story that's kind of dominated the last, I don't know, two months. But trade deadline's coming up, Mark. I mean, do what else – do you think it's going to happen? Is there going to be other movement out there? Um, I think a Godala could be moved. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, a couple weeks ago, I would have told you that I thought Baron Davis would get moved. Um, but now, I, I think, to me, Clippers are interesting, man. George Carl talked about another day. He's, he's, he's scared of huh. You know, they're, they're very t- – look, forget about the game against the Nuggets tomorrow. I want to see the Cleveland uh, – Clippers game tonight. I mean, Cleveland game. I keep thinking he plays for Clippers. I mean, Cleveland. Uh, Miami, the Miami, Miami Clippers yeah. game is an interesting game yeah. to, for us to really see if the Clippers have turned that corner. Right, right. Um, 
But I, you know, I, I, to me, I think it'd be a mistake to move Cayman. Um, even though big, big fella in playing center, the young kid is doing well right now. Yeah, DeAndre Jordan, yeah. DeAndre Jordan, no, let's see what they are at full strength. You know, they're getting some confidence. Um, you know, so I don't think they're, the thing is this, will there be some trade? Certainly, but I don't, I don't see anything close to the magnitude of the Carmelo Anthony deal. What, right. what about Nash, Mark? What, I mean, how long, I you mean, I, I, I watched him last, him last night. Yeah. Night. What's the deal? I saw them last night and they swear up and down. You know, hey, say cool. You know Alvin Gentry, man. He's a straight no chaser kind of dude. Absolutely, you know what I mean? absolutely. I mean, and he keeps telling me up and down that they do not want to trade Nash. And I think, I don't think Nash is. You know, I, I'm sure he's frustrated. But Alvin was saying yesterday, he's like, man, everybody expects us to be that team that went to the Western Conference Finals. Everybody expects us to be that team with Amari. We're not that team, and we made a big trade. Yeah. It like takes some time. He's like, you know, am I is my patience running thin? Yes, but I need, you know, we need some more time to try to get on the right page here. So, you know, I, I, are they in a crisis situation just yet? I don't, I don't know. I mean, it, it takes a while for a new, pretty much a new team to gel in the middle of the season. So I'm not gonna totally give up on them just yet. I, I think Steve is kind of being patient, mm-hmm. but whether it's Lon Babby, the GM, whether it's Alvin Gentry, they emphatically say they are not trading Steve Nash. Yeah. Well, you, Mark, you know the the one reason I'm real sad that Carmelo is leaving Denver is uh, no more trips to the breakfast spot. I mean, you had all these cool spots that we used to go to in Denver. You know, and you don't live there anymore, but still, uh, like, you know, we had some good times in Denver when the Nuggets were rolling. And the idea of Denver... Well, let's get the Golden State Warriors rolling. <laughs> I, I live in the Bay Area. <laughs> I got some new spots there, too. I'm just and saying. thought those spots was cool. <laughs> we got, we I mean, can do, we can, we can hang out there and it's sunny. That's what I'm saying. We get no, I mean, all of our old haunts are drying up. I mean, you know. Hey, man, I just, I, hey, man, I pick up and move and, and figure it out in the next spot, man. All right, so. well, maybe Carmelo can do the same, man. We we got to figure out some stuff here, but. I do like that Spears is the first hey, guest. I, I'm not, I'm not going to breakfast in, in Newark, man. <laughs> <laughs> I just take the ride in. You just go in, yeah. Something. You just ride in and ride out. I hear yeah, you. Yeah. I, I, hear like, you. I like that the Spears is the first guest we've had who's quoted a comedy club. Hey, man, you, you got to know this dude to love him, man. I'm telling I know. you, Mark Spears, baby. That was great. Mark Spears. Listen, Mark. Do do some good while you're out there in Denver. Don't you know? I know they see you coming. They think doom and gloom, and you're gonna whisk Carmelo out of town with you. Do some good while you're in Denver, man. Hey man, I, I am going to my place, Solera, that I took you to. All right, a nice dinner yes. spot with the, with the, the, that chicken. Remember that? Chicken? Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> man, you tell like about that chicken. I'm gonna tell them all about it, man, and 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 get home safe. You know, it's a snowstorm everywhere oh, man. else, man. Hey man, do you? Let me ask you, do you have a snow shovel there? Y'all all right? No, we. <laughs> <laughs> At least you got your own indie experience there, man. You 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 know you know how to handle it. Yeah, but I mean, I didn't have do a shovel. They really only have eight snow trucks in the whole town. In the whole state of Georgia, I think. Man, you, you should have brought one down somewhere and rented it. <laughs> no, I'm I'm listen. I was down here the other day trying to shovel 
with like a, a spade. You know, it was not working. My wife was laughing at me. She was like, what about Are you serious? Indianapolis stuff? You didn't bring none of that stuff down? Man, we tossed it when we moved down here. That was the whole you point. Got a yard sale? <laughs> yeah, we, we got rid of that. We got rid of the snowblower. All that stuff got tossed when we moved down here. You had a garbage sale, not a garage sale, a garbage <laughs> sale. <laughs> Get this dude out of here, man. Listen, my experience, <laughs> Yahoo Sports. Stay out of trouble in Denver, man. All right, homie. Thanks. All right, appreciate fellas. you, Mark. All right, tell Lang to take off his cap. <laughs> I'm wearing a cap today. <laughs> All right. Mark Spears, you know what? That's what I'm talking about, though. It's it's like you grow up covering the league, and I remember my first trip to Denver, and Mark, you know, beat riders Lang, you know, you give each other rides to the airport yeah. or to your hotel after games and stuff like that. And Mark and I, you know, Mark, when I first started covering the league, well, he was covering a crappy Nuggets team, and I was covering a Pacers team that was coming off the finals. So, like, we used to hang out, and he would be, you know, miserable. Oh, man, this team's so bad. And I'm going, hey, you know, this is a great job. You know, basketball's <laughs> great. Then a couple years later, it changes. I get the brawl. He gets Carmelo. You know, so we, we yeah. flip-flop. Then I get to Atlanta. I'm covering a bad team. He's covering one of the top players in the league. It just it's astonishing to me how things change year after year in the NBA and how quickly a team can go from a great situation to a really tough situation. And I feel, I'm I'm telling you, I feel for those people in Denver because I've been through it. I know what it's like to be around a team that struggles. I said that before. I'm going to say it again. It is no fun dealing with a team that's winning 13, 16, 17 games, and you know the lottery is the biggest night of the year. It's just it's tough, mm-hmm. um, and I you know I hate to see the people in Denver go through that again. I, I know they've been there before. I don't want to see them do it again. But I don't see how this works out. I mean, I, I asked yesterday on the jump, who's the biggest loser if this mega deal goes down as constructed? Who do you think loses the most if this thing gets done in the, the way it's constituted right now? I don't think anyone overnight becomes a con- you know championship contender, right? Even if Jersey, I mean, if the way we're hearing it is the way it's being said, with if Jersey gets Rip and Mello and Chauncey, you know, I, I don't think they're going to beat Miami or Boston. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that, you know, maybe Denver, in the short term, they're not going to make win a title, but they're they're not going to win a title this year anyway. Yeah. So I, I think you know they maybe they set them back two years or whatever, but. Um, you know, but maybe, maybe if you're a fan, you just want this to be over with and you want to know, you know, you want some certainty in your team. So, you know, I can cheer for this team and, and know these guys are going to be here going forward. Yeah. It's just tough. I'm, I'm probably getting a little too nostalgic worrying about it. I mean, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll survive, but it's just, man, I hate to see, I hate to see a team take that dip, man. I mean, Micah knows Micah, you know, was working for the Hawks when they were struggling. Then he's sitting there. You know, game seven of that first-round playoff series against Boston, man, it's, it's a totally different world, is it not, Micah? Well, it was for about the first minute and a half of that game seven. <laughs> <laughs> then then well, Marvin took down Rondo, and it was all downhill. <laughs> well, speaking of games, I, I don't think we can talk enough about uh, a fantastic slate of games coming up, not only the Thursday night games, uh, on TNT this week, you know, you get a chance to see Carmelo and the Nuggets, who we've been talking about nonstop against uh, LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, and the Miami Heat uh, on TNT Thursday night. And then that, that Monday, uh, January 17th, which is Martin Luther King Day, Lang, fantastic doubleheader, you know, the Magic and the Celtics, a game I think everybody wants to see. 
see that Magic team get a chance to to butt heads with the Celtics. And then Oklahoma City Thunder and the Los Angeles Lakers in the nightcap with our first guest, Steve Kerr, on there as one of the analysts, along with Marv Albert and Mike Fratello and Craig Sager on the sidelines. This is a strange week because school's been out all week, Lang. I've been watching sports nonstop now. NBA mm-hmm. games, BCS Championship Monday night. If if they don't go to school, in the, you know between now and then, we're talking about what twelve days. These kids are going to be you know running around driving people crazy. The only thing I have to hang on to is these games. I have to have five minutes of peace to watch some of this stuff. I I don't know where you're going to be Monday, um, but I'm definitely going to have my eyeballs on these Martin Luther King Day games. I'm here on Monday, and so I, I'm going to go. The Knicks have a game uh, against the. They, actually, the Knicks host the Suns. On Monday, uh, I think it's a one o'clock game, so I'm gonna try to get over to see that game in person. But I mean, we hey, we we have the snow here just like you guys do. You don't have to stay at home. Get out. <laughs> well, we don't have a. I mean, I don't live above a bodega, bro. I mean, <laughs> I know you I. live in New York. You guys got a much different attitude up there with the, you know, with how you get around, man. People in my neighborhood are walking. Everybody starts worrying. They think something's going on. I live in the suburbs. What do you want me to do? <laughs> we don't have the subway. Well, they have Domino's Pizza. Like, can't you get something ordered? Get, get the food brought in. I don't even know What's if we could down? do that. I don't. I don't even know if Domino's is open around here. We, they didn't deliver mail yesterday or the day before. I mean, we, really? I think we just got mail today. Wow. Yeah, man, this is, is serious doomsday snowmageddon snowpocalypse down here, man. This is no <laughs> joke. No uh, joke. I I was, I was uh, I'm concerned for you, Saker. I hope everything works out well. <laughs> I want the Smith family to to make it through this. We appreciate it, sir. This crisis. We appreciate it. Not everyone laying is snowbound. I mean, there are other people in this world who are who are operating just fine. Our next guest uh, is certainly one of those people. I'm sure you, you know him well, and I and everybody reads his stuff, so it's fan, you know we know that the man is is working his fingers to the bone. Dave Zirin is joining us now on the Hang Time Podcast. Long time coming. Glad you could finally join us, Dave. How are you, man? Hey, it's great to be here. Quite the coincidence I'm speaking to you guys today because I just filed my column for Slam Magazine today, next month's issue. I just edited it, actually, Dave. Oh, you did? I, yeah, yeah. I, I apologize that you had to go through that. No, it's always a pleasure. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. That was a painful one to write, I have to tell you. I'm a big Steve Nash fan, and the column was me reckoning with the fact that he's no longer one of the three or even one of the five best point guards in the NBA. Wow. I mean, painful. That, yeah, that's tough. I mean, it, we were talking about Nash earlier today um, with Mark Spears at Yahoo Sports. He was talking to Alvin Gentry and said that Gentry and the, and the Suns maintain Nash has no intention of asking for a, a ticket out of Phoenix. Do you think that's wise at this stage of his career to, to, to ride that thing, even if it doesn't get any much better? Well, it's funny you ask that because I think the reason why Nash wants to stay in Phoenix is if he goes anywhere else, his back is probably going to break like a toothpick. Wow. I think they've got something in the water at the medical staff in Phoenix <laughs> or something that has Grant Hill looking spry. Uh, even Vince Carter looks a little more uh, awake than usual. Mm-hmm. Um, and Steve Nash has been healthy. And remember, that was the big reason why Cuban and Donnie Nelson didn't want to give him an extension in Dallas. Yeah. They said they didn't think he'd hold up physically, and he's been a a physical marvel, and his stats aren't down. It's just on a team that can't play defense or shoot threes. He just looks uh, very exposed, and all his liabilities are just on the surface. I mean, I watched the Denver game last night. I mean, it was it was a train wreck. Yeah. It was embarrassing. I mean, to see Ty Lawson eat his lunch in a 44-point Nuggets quarter, 
I mean, that's not supposed to happen to a two-time MVP. It just, it just, it was painful to watch. Do you, do you, uh, do you think Phoenix needs to move him? Do you think Phoenix keeps him? What do you think they should do? Well, I mean, he's their only real asset, and if there was ever a club, I mean, first of all, Steve Kerr is looking very smart <laughs> every day. We actually had he him. He was on earlier, too. We had him earlier. <laughs> you did? Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. I mean, I mean, he's not just smart for bailing when he did, but he's also smart because he put together a team that was, it was kind of like eight seconds or less 2.0. Right. And they, they did their thing, and they had a real puncher's chance against the Lakers in the playoffs. I mean, they, were, they had a little bit of magic about them, and, I mean, whether Sarver pushed him out or whether he left willingly, I mean, the results are the same. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a monstrosity now. It's a Frankenstein's monster of a team. It's, a, it's like a two, that year 2000 Olympic team. And to get uh, Nash out of there, I mean, it makes the only thing that makes sense from the perspective of them changing the club because I don't see who else they have who anybody would necessarily want. Do you think – we were talking about this earlier too, Dave. Do you think – we kind of underestimated the importance of Amare. Well, I know I did. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Um, and my reason for it was two things. One, there was something about somebody with his physical skills who some nights would go 45 minutes and grab seven rebounds. Yeah. And that might be even a decent night for him. That was a little bit jarring just when you would watch the games. Like, how does this guy not grab 10, 11 rebounds every night? And the other thing, of course, was the season that was chronicled in Jack McCallum's book, Eight Seconds or Less with Amari gone and the team reels off 53 wins and goes deep into the playoffs, um, it created to me a perception that he was a bit of a show pony. Yeah. And when he went to New York, I mean, count me as I, I love admitting when I'm wrong, only because it, I feel like it makes me stand out a little bit amongst many, many, many others. But count me among the people who was like, only the Knicks for $100 million would sign somebody with, with one eye and two microfracture surgeries. But, hey, shut my mouth. I mean, <laughs> not only is he playing at an MVP level, I mean, he seems to have embraced the entire New York ethos, and now he's our most important New York Jew since Woody Allen. So <laughs> we, we got to give Amari love. We haven't, had a, we haven't had a world-class New York Jew since uh, – since before Woody decided to hang out with his stepdaughter. <laughs> and, and unless Amari does something very, very stupid in his personal life, um, I, I think he's going to be at the top of the, uh, the kosher heap for some time in our city. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Dave, Dave, do you feel like with all that transpired in the, in the free agent summer of 2010, leading all the way up to now, this Carmelo Anthony situation, are we seeing a culture change in the NBA or is this just a blip? where these players seem like they've decided enough is enough. I'm going to pick the team I want to play on no matter how bad it makes me look, no matter how big of a mess it makes. Is, is this the players kind of getting their revenge before we get a new CBA? Well, not only that, I think the new CBA is probably going to aggravate all of these changes mm. and amplify them as well. How so? Because it's a very interesting thing happening right now um, in between the lines of the negotiation where one of the main demands of the owners is they want shorter guaranteed contracts. And that's a big sticking point for them. And if they win that, if they have as much of a hand over those negotiations as it, as it looks like, and they win shorter guaranteed contracts, and you don't get any more the, the seven-year, you, know, you don't get the Gilbert Arenas contracts anymore, in other words. You're going to have more and more players who are in their prime free agents at 25, 26, especially 
um, if they don't do anything to the one-and-done rule, and it's still one year in college and out. And that's a pretty rare thing. That's one of the things that made LeBron the greatest free agent in history. It wasn't so much his skill set, but the, it was the fact that he was 25. Yeah, right. And you just don't see 25-year-old free agents in any sport. Yeah. But you did because he signed a shorter contract and he didn't go to college. And so if there are shorter guaranteed contracts, one-and-done players, you're going to have more and more players who at 25, 26 are going to have the league in their hands, and they're going to be mapping out ways to figure out how to maximize their potential. Because the other thing that's interesting is I was thinking about this. Like, I was a kid when, like, Charles Barkley was coming. What was I remember, I remember Charles Barkley's rookie year mm-hmm. as being the first year I was a big NBA fan. Right. And I mentioned Charles because what's the one knock against Charles being an all-time top five player didn't that he doesn't have a ring? Yeah, didn't right. Doesn't have a ring. Now, I grew up culturally with that. Dan Marino doesn't have a ring. John Elway, will he get a ring? Alex Rodriguez, of course, will he get a ring? And when I was a kid, I don't remember that being that much of this kind of cultural sports, you are in the pantheon if you get a ring kind of a thing. I just, maybe I'm wrong about that, but I don't remember in the early 80s people being like, well, Fran Tarkenton doesn't have a ring. You know, I don't recall it in the same kind of a way. And I feel like these guys have grown up with this being a part of what it means to be an all-time athlete or what it means to have your career invalidated. And so I was watching the, the Kings last night, and I'm just I'm watching DeMarcus Cousins. I mean, only, I mean, you know he's good if he goes four for 19, and I'm still like, damn, this guy is really good. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's a special kind of player. If you're like, wow, four for 19, he's awesome. Um, but it says something about, about – the culture of the league, and it it says something that I was thinking in my head. How long is DeMarcus Cousins going to put up with this? Is he really going to want to be in Sacramento in four years, five years? And if he's already thinking of getting out, wouldn't he talk to John Wall? I mean, wouldn't he talk and be like, let's try to do something so when when we're 35 and at the end of our rope, we're actually, we've got some rings in our fingers. That's a great point. It's a good question. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. There's a real contradiction. I guess the takeaway. I'm being really long-winded, but the takeaway is that there's a contradiction in the owners complaining about the new power of the player while demanding shorter guaranteed contracts. No, that's, that's a good point. And, and listen, Dave, we do long-winded around here. Trust us. Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sacred's middle name. I was gonna say. It's my, it's my name. That's how my name translates into English. Uh, really? Yes. Long-winded, but uh, nice. I'm. I'm really curious, too. The one thing you brought up that I think is kind of getting glossed over, too, isn't the age limit rule and whether or not these guys have to spend a year in college another sticking point that's that's not really being discussed about this these CBA negotiations that, that's probably going to change or could possibly change when this is all done? Yeah, I mean, it's so interesting because it, I've been had some conversations with Billy Hunter and, and also with uh, DeMar Smith going through the same thing at the NFLPA right now. And it's like there are things that are negotiables and Mm -hmm. non-negotiables when these guys sit at the table. And they they won't come right out and say say it to you, but you can get the feeling just from how they talk about things, about the difference between a negotiable and a non-negotiable. And the non-negotiables are hardcore. Non-negotiables, there will be no season. And the negotiables are things that you could see come to pass if push comes to shove and it becomes a question of will we get paid or will we not get paid. And so you've got um, David Stern, who wants to push it up to two years. And I get the sense that for Stern, that's a borderline negotiable, non-negotiable. Right. 
And then from Billy Hunter, you have him saying that he wants now no age limit at all. And he wants that coming out, not no age limit at all, but right out of high school. Yeah. Right. Like, and he wants to get rid of one and done. But, and you get the feeling when you talk to Billy that that is something that's, I'm going to try to put this the right way, that that's something that, that, that he's saying as a response to Stern. Like, oh, you want to make it two years? Well, how about no years? Right, right. How about that? Because Billy is a smart, tough dude, and he, I think he get people asleep on how good he is at what he does. And I think by the time it's all done, that's going to be one of the things where after many hours they'll say, all right, we'll just stay with one and done, and then they'll shake hands and right. be like, look, this is called civility and cooperation. Right, right. I mean, because it, it's it's, to some extent, Dave, isn't everything negotiable, though, in, in something this big? I mean, I, I mean, I, I don't – my sense is that it wouldn't – the whole thing wouldn't break down over, you know, one year of college or no years of college. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's one of the things that it won't completely be destroyed over. Right. But it's, it's, but it's like everything has gradations. Right. Like I, I get the feeling that contraction, for example, is a non-negotiable. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just that's not something that's going to happen no matter how much uh, David Stern wants it to happen. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. Or right. if it does happen, it will mean an NHL-type situation where the league is shut down and reopened yeah. in a different kind of a way. And even the NHL, remember, didn't contract teams, even though for some God-knows reason they have more teams in Dixie right now than they do in Canada. <laughs> And I'm convinced that Gary Bettman is a sleeper cell for David Stern aimed at destroying the <laughs> NHL. But, um, but, but despite that fact, I mean, how stupid is that? I mean, I think about that sometimes. Like all the team, Phoenix going bankrupt, multiple teams in Florida, Carolina. I know this isn't an NHL show, but can you imagine NASCAR officials sitting around and saying, I see the future, and it's in Winnipeg. <laughs> well, that's a good thing about the NBA, Dave, is it is truly one of the, the few games that can talk about being global. I mean, yeah. it has a global audience that I think other sports wish they had in a lot of respects. You know, Absolutely, and that's the big crisis in the NFL right now with the labor management is that they have pretty much run out of revenue streams in the NFL. Yeah. Because in, in the NBA, you could make the case is just is just scratching the surface in many respects. Yeah, sure. And it, especially, I mean, you think about it, think about India, for example, right. and the idea if the NBA makes penetration um, into a country that right now has the largest quote unquote middle class in the world. Yeah. In why, why do you think it's worked for the NBA where it hasn't for the NFL, MLB, as far as extending their reach to other countries? Well, this is a very anecdotal, unscientific, talking out of my ass barstool response to that. Is that uh, acceptable for this? uh, Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Here's here's my thing on that. I think other countries take not liking the NFL as a point of pride. Yeah. I mean, it is like an expression of American dominance and empire. I've got a friend from Puerto Rico, and he likes to say to me, hey, man, we play real football over here. You guys play football imperialismo. That's what he calls it. And it's this thing that's like America. I mean, it's like trying to export Disney World. We might find some audiences here and there. But, like, remember what Euro Disney would have? Remember, like, French people took it as a point of pride not going to Euro Disney? Right. I mean, the NFL is kind of like Euro Disney to people throughout the world. And so it becomes um, a reflexive anti-Americanism to not embrace the wonders that is Roger Goodell's uh, violence machine, <laughs> sex and violence machine that is the NFL. 
They clearly and, don't uh, play fantasy oh, sorry, football. Go ahead. No, that's, that's our producer. That's Michael. our producer, Michael, was chiming in there. What were you yeah, saying, I mean, I, there's a lot. I mean, that's why the NFL too. It's like I wrote this thing earlier this year. Do you remember when they spent the whole month with players wearing like pink clothes? Right. They had like they had like breast cancer awareness fall in the NFL. It's like September, October, and into November. I mean, they were quite open about why they had taken such a strong interest in the issue of breast cancer. And they're like, we are trying to expand our female audience yeah, right. in, in the United States because where are they going to go? I mean, Buffalo, failing franchise, Jacksonville, failing franchise. Um, they talk about L.A., but give me a break. I mean, L.A. is, is kind of like Atlantis for NFL executives. It's like this <laughs> mythical place where they dream of having a team, and yet if they actually went there, they'd be sunk on the bottom of the ocean. Um, that metaphor wasn't too tortured. So there's just not a lot of places for them to go at this point. So they have to either figure out a way to expand their reach in the internal market. That means women. That means why they had breast cancer awareness fall. Or it means taking a chunk out of the player's salaries. And that's why they're asking for basically 25% wage cuts across the board while adding two more games in the season. Mm, right. Yes, it's... Which is weird because everybody says the NBA has a better chance of a lockout than the NFL. I think that that's reversed, honestly. Really? Because even in this tough economic climate, I feel like the NBA has more wiggle room, more flexibility, and more options. And right. it's also not fraught with the very real pressure from players about their very health. Like, right. I talked to a lot of players. I interviewed Scott Fajita mm-hmm. of the Cleveland Browns last week on my radio show, and he's the union rep in Cleveland. And while the for the union, the 18-game schedule thing is a negotiable. Remember we talked about that before? Right. Talking to Fajita, it seemed like for the players, it was a non-negotiable. Like, right. they don't want to play two more games. They don't want to get beat up. They don't want to get hurt. And so it's um, there's just less wiggle room there. There's less space for people to collectively save face than, to me than there is in the NBA. So, I mean, if if we're in, the, in July, Dave, and – you know, we're we're talking about the two biggest professional sports leagues in the country, you know, biting their nails about, you know, uh, work stoppages. How do you think this turns out for, for not just the NBA, but the NFL and, and American sports culture in general? Like, what, what's, what, what's the flip side? What's on the other side of this? Well, it's got a much bigger ripple effect, I think, in the NFL mm-hmm. than in the NBA for a couple of reasons. I mean, one, one is like, there is an element to I don't want to diminish what goes into putting together a quality NBA team, but you can roll out the balls, figure it out. Teams have much more stability together. They can gel, mm-hmm. figure it out. I mean, think about it like this. Most point guards in the NBA, they're out there figuring it out as they're dribbling up and down the court. They'll call a set play. If it breaks down, they'll they'll try to create something off the ball. NFL quarterbacks basically have radios implanted in their heads <laughs> so people can talk to them from a booth in the sky to control what they do. It takes a lot, you know, like, and you could argue, and a lot of people do that, it's kind of ridiculous, the degree, you know, the, the mentality in the NFL, like a coach has to work 25 hours a day and yeah. never see their family and look like Andy Reid if they're going to be successful. <laughs> but there's, there's something about the fact that that's the culture of the NFL that means that if they lose the spring in terms of free agency and all the rest of it, it's going to gum up the works and forever taint the season, right. even if it comes off in time. I mean, right. people will still watch it and love it, 
but it'll have a ripple effect that's much stronger and, frankly, create much more anxiety in a sporting public that loves the NFL. And some of this is recession-related, like the TV numbers for NFL this year. Attendance was down across the league. But, you know, the, the number one watched cable show in America this year was the Saints-Falcons game. Right. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, no, that's a that's a good yeah. point. This is it's a very we're in a very weird uh, place right now because all this excitement about both leagues and then you know the, what's looming on the horizon is not uh, is not it pleasant is for a lot of people. It's funny you mentioned that. I was thinking about that too because I mean, think about how depressing the NBA was about six seven years ago. I mean, not for diehard fans, it wasn't that bad, but. My God, the phrase Spurs and Dynasty in the same sentence still makes me itch a little bit. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to hate <laughs> on what, what did Sports Illustrated call them? The Quiet Dynasty. I mean, <laughs> Jesus Christ. But, but it, just, it, just, it was a particular era when you had the, the Pistons, Spurs in the finals. That, that was a little bit difficult on the eyes, I'll just say that. <laughs> and to me, we're headed towards a very exciting time in the NBA. It's reminding me a lot of the early mid eighties where, and this is what I love about this unintended ripple effect of what uh, D Wade, LeBron and Bosch did in Miami is it's now created a culture among the top teams where people are saying you better have three great players mm. to match up with them. Yeah. I mean, think about, we've been living in this, uh, in this desert for like 15 years which is sort of like the Jordan model, which says, no, you need an alpha male and a Robin. Yeah. And then you build around them. Right. And now it's like, no, no, you need, you need three serious all-stars if you're going to compete. And so that's the, the Knicks are like, well, we better get Carmelo to be with Amare and yeah. Ray Felton and, and try to approximate something that could stand up to the heat. I mean, it's going to create a lot of really bad teams. I mean, my God, what Cleveland did last night was... Uh, I can't even talk about it. I'm like, going into therapy to talk about that game. But, no you know, Dave, you but... get beyond that. And, you know, it's like I think the playoffs this year are going to be, let me just put this out, I think they're going to be the greatest playoffs in a generation. No, that that, that works for so. me. Yeah, that works for me, Dave. <laughs> Listen, well, you we, don't think you don't think that that's a fair, not absolutely prediction. No, ab- that we're looking at a, an absolute insane playoff year. Absolutely. I I was talking about this earlier today. You you have three legitimate teams on both sides of the the conference ledger right now who could win a championship. Name name the last time you could say that that you had three teams legitimately on both sides that you say that's a championship caliber team. Like it's it hasn't been many years where we could say that no. with a straight face. No, no, I, I certainly so. can't whatsoever. And when you couple that with the skill level, yeah, that it's not just like a. Uh, the the pop, it's not like collective poverty or anything. It's not like everybody's terrible. So there's right. these opportunity. I mean, these are fantastic Just teams. Great teams having great years, led by great players. Some in the twilights of their careers, others at the peak of their powers. I mean, it, like you said, it's a, that, that's why I brought up. It's a very unique time right now for the NBA, and um, and nobody's fat anymore. Have you noticed that? <laughs> like, I mean, I grew up watching Liddell Eccles, and I mean. There was a whole generation of players between six foot four and six foot eight who were just sort of like proudly chubby. <laughs> and I don't know if it's because of yoga or because everybody has a personal chef, but you just you can't play that in the NBA anymore. No, you got to be grinding. I mean, that's going to mean less injuries and it's going to mean a better playoff system. 
Even if it makes me feel a little bad when I'm sitting on the couch watching. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I wouldn't say it. Nobody. <laughs> yeah, we got a few problems around here, but we'll leave that out for the next time. But uh, yeah. Dave, Dave Zirin joining us here on the Hangtime Podcast. Listen, uh, we, we love your stuff, obviously, in, in the nation and certainly the, the, the satellite radio show, Edge of Sports Radio, man. We appreciate you coming on with us. Love the insight and love uh, all of the opinions, man. Hey, yeah, no, no, love doing it, man. We should cross promote. Get you guys on my show anytime. We'll we'll come on there and, and carry on for you anytime you're ready. Yeah, and then, and then I'll be the guy asking questions and then being interrupted repeatedly <laughs> by you as you go on and on like you got diarrhea of the mouth. Absolutely, man. We appreciate it, Dave. Be safe, Thanks, Dave. You guys too. All, All right. right. He, you know that, that that's a true statement though about just where we are in the league, Lang. And I and I, you know, I was I was. Thinking about this the other day, somebody asked me a really good question. They said, "Well, you know, who do you think is the champ? You know, the favorite to win the championship?" And normally you say, "Oh, it's too early to say something like that." Blah blah. You can legitimately look at both sides right now and say, "Okay, Spurs, Mavericks, and Lakers—all three legitimate chance yep. at winning the championship." No, nobody can really question that. There's a legitimate shot for any of those three teams if they come out of the West. And then you look on the other side, Heat. Celtics, Magic, all three championship caliber teams with the kind of pieces you need to compete for a title. I'm I'm just saying, and I know we're kind of an in-house shop, so we got to, you know, people will question our motives and say, well, you know, you mentioned it earlier. We just want to look out for ourselves and make sure we got jobs. Or whatever. If you're a basketball fan, right now is a really good time to be a fan of this game. I I couldn't agree more. I, I don't, and I don't think people can look at us and say, "Oh, well, you guys are just chilling for the." I mean, look at the records. I know. Look at these teams. I know. You know the other thing that kind of that Dave mentioned it. It kind of moved on, but mentioning how Miami getting three All Stars, like you kind of have to have the that kind of showed everyone you have to have the three guys to to contend. Yeah. I mean, it, in a way, that was almost though a reaction because Boston and LA were there first. Yeah, they you know they might and, not have had three in their peak. You know, three guys in their primes, but they certainly did. You know, I and think Orlando, Boston. You know, Boston started Orlando too. You yeah. know, going after getting Hito and Richard and all the. So I think the three, but the, those teams kind of set the pace. Miami validated it, and now if you don't have three, a big three, you're not going to be in the big three in your conference. Yeah, you're going. You're going to struggle. I, I'm, I'm still taking a little offense to Dave saying that we were cutting them off. We didn't get a chance. <laughs> we gave him plenty of time to talk on our show. I hope he gives us that much time on his show. He will. All right. Well, just make it sure now. I've been on his show. He's a good talker. Hey, he's got to give us some some room to uh, you know stretch out and yap a little bit. But <laughs> Hang Time Podcast once again delivering great guests, great conversation. Hope you enjoyed it, uh, Lang. Maybe next week I'll have the driveway dug out and um, I'll be able to get down here to the studio in a in a reasonable fashion instead of the forty five minutes it took me to you know slow drive around ice slicks and all that good stuff to get here. Right, Micah's here. He made it. So I know he's a Southern cat. You know, he's 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 from the South, but he's learned, you know, how to maneuver in this kind of weather. Micah, you did spend some time up north. I mean, I'm gonna put some bubble wrap all around my car. <laughs> I figure I should be fine. <laughs> you don't want to spin out on 285. That's understandable. Put some um, duct tape on the wheels. Exactly. But we got a lot of stuff coming up in the in the in the coming weeks, Lang. Um, we gotta we gotta start formulating a plan for All Star Weekend. Yes. Uh, get our stuff together. Make sure we coordinate all of our business and our affairs out there. It could be a very interesting trip to Los Angeles uh, this year for All Star Weekend. A lot of stuff brewing. See who Carmelo's playing for by the time we get there. Maybe it's wow. maybe it's the Nuggets. Maybe he's representing somebody else. You never know. But 
definitely be back here next week on the Hang Time Podcast. Appreciate you joining us. And be safe. Later. Thanks for listening to the Hang Time Podcast. To download more episodes of the show, visit the iTunes Music Store. Be sure to check out the Hang Time blog on NBA.com. And for more of Lang, visit SlamOnline.com. You can follow Seku and Lang on Twitter at SekuSmithNBA and Lang with it. The Smyrna Spartans have yet to get on Twitter, but we'll let you know when they do.